Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... A clue that we're headed in the wrong direction is when we're looking to others for that which we need from God. God, I need favor from you. Shouldn't be looking for it from someone else. God, I need provision from you. I shouldn't be looking to someone else. God, I need whatever it is. I need strength from you. I need open doors from you. I need, I need you to do it. I got to be very careful when I start looking to people and persons to be and to do what only God is supposed to be and do for my life. It's a good thing to go out and get yourself a job so that you can pay your bills and feed your family. It's a good thing to work hard to provide. But who provided you with that job? Who gave you the ability to do the work? Isn't it God who provides everything? In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you that you should never forget who your provider is. God has a plan for your life, and He wants to give you the things you need. It's foolish to get out there and do things your own way, apart from Him and His plan for you. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 27. As he continues his message, follow your heart. It said at the end of, of verse 2, they were with him. Uh, he went to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. So he went to the king of Gath. Now, Achish, that name, because this is the same name that David, when David went to, Phil, to the land of Philistine before, and he, he acted crazy and he let drool run down his beard. Some people think Achish is a title, like Pharaoh. Um, like this might not be the same guy, but this is another person or it is the exact same person. Either way, they would say, well, how come David went the first time and was afraid? This time he's not because this time David showed up with 600 thugs. And last time David was by himself. So that's the answer to that question. How come he's not afraid this time? He's not drooling at the beard because I got 600 thugs with me. And, uh, and y'all know what the time it is if y'all want battle, you know, so so that's why that is. So but David is now essentially seeking the favor of a pagan king. Um, he's gone to enemy territory, taking all these people with him, and he's going to submit himself to Philistine pagan leadership. Verse three. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household, David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Couple things. Verse three. This is especially important when you're a spiritual leader like David, that you make godly decisions because of other people following your lead. And David is a spiritual leader. Everybody here is in some, if you're a believer, you're a spiritual leader to somebody. You might think, I'm not a spiritual leader. I'm not a king like David. I'm not a pastor of a church. I'm not, are you a mother? Are you a friend? Are you the only Christian that somebody knows? Somebody is looking at you saying, that's that guy, that girl right there. Someone's looking at you. And so it's important for David that he would have followed the Lord. But it's also there's a responsibility, right? I'm individually a believer and it behooves me to follow God for myself. But I'm a husband. So it behooves me for my wife's sake that I would follow the Lord. I'm a dad. It behooves me for my children's sake that I would follow the Lord. And I'm a pastor. It behooves me for the sake of the church and those that would respect my leadership here that I would follow the Lord. Whatever your walk of life, somebody's looking at you. Somebody regards you. Somebody respects your, your leadership, even if they don't say so. And it matters. To, to David's mistake, 
there, there's not, it's not just going to be his mistake after a while. Other people are going to be affected by the decision that he makes. Um, verse four tells us that the plan initially worked out. David was right about that one thing. He knew Saul was not going to venture down in the Philistine territory because Saul is a coward. And he knew that Saul ain't got no heart. And so sometimes the worst thing that can happen is that we can do it our way and be right. Because we can become confident in our flesh. I knew it. See, it worked. Aha. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to tell us what you did. But some of us have done it our way and it worked. Some of y'all have cheated and it worked. Or you, you did something that, you know, you knew wasn't necessarily right and it worked initially. And we got to be careful about it. I think we're most going to be most careful about the times when it looks like it worked. Because then we can be confident. Then it can become a pattern. Then we can become confident in the flesh rather than being confident in the Lord, which is what we need. Verse five, it says, then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in, this, in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? I want you to look how David's talking to this pagan king. This is a guy that he should be whooping on. He should go. David should run up in, in this in Gath and just start slicing these guys up. But David is speaking to them like he would speak to someone that he reveres. And he said, look, if, if I found favor in your sight. And I just want you to note that never in David's history has he ever cared about finding favor in the sight of some Philistine. He David's always been concerned with having favor in the sight of who? The Lord. So a clue that we're headed in the wrong direction is when we're looking to others for that which we need from God. God, I need favor from you. Shouldn't be looking for it from someone else. God, I need provision from you. I shouldn't be looking to someone else. God, I need whatever it is. I need strength from you. I need open doors from you. I need I need you to do it. I got to be very careful when I start looking to people and persons to be and to do what only God is supposed to be and do for my life. That's a clue that I'm, I'm moving in the wrong direction. And so, again, David is now seeking eyes uh, favor in the eyes of, of an enemy king. Um, this again, this has never been the case for him. And so we want to be careful about that. Be careful that you're not seeking favor, seeking direction. Some of us, sometimes believers are looking for direction from outside of the realm of God's people, outside the realm of God's wisdom or counsel. Um, sometimes people are looking for other things outside the realm of the Lord. Be careful about going outside of God to try to get something that you need to wait on the Lord for. You need God to be the one to provide it for you. So David is asking them to give him somewhere to live. And I want you, he says, you know, why should I, why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So David is letting them know I'm here to serve you guys. I'm, I'm here as a servant. Give me somewhere for me and my people to go and live. So we won't, we shouldn't be down here in the royal city with you guys. Verse six. So Agus gave him Ziglag that day. Therefore, Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. And so they give him an area. Uh, again, it looks like at first sight for David, it's working out. We went down here. Um, you know, we found favor with the Philistine king. We asked him to give us somewhere. They've given us somewhere to live. I mean, it looks like everything is going. Everything is clicking. The problem is David's not talking to the Lord. 
David's not getting any of this from God. Everything that he's getting right now is between himself and adversaries. That's it. That's he's interacting with the enemy and not with the Lord. That that's a huge difference from his normal routine, which is he would inquire of the Lord and God would specifically direct him and provide for him. And he would go in obedience to what God had said do. Now David has taken his life into his own hand and the 600 men and their families, and he's doing it his way. And so, but it's working out. Looks like it's working out. The Philistines give him zigzag, just like he asked. They got their own place to go dwell. And so now what has to be considered is, David, what are you going to do for a living down here with the Philistines? I mean, you've been anointed the king of Israel. Kind of, that's your gig. Your gig is wiping out the enemies of God and, you know, now you're, you know, you hid from Saul. You're no longer, what, what are you going to do for a living here? And so that's why I said one error uh, kind of presupposes the next error. David's made one mistake. Now it's going to be compounded because now I got 600 men and their wives. They, they got to eat. And the Philistines ain't going to feed us. And so this is what David does. Verse eight, David and his men went up and raided the, Ger- the Gershuites, the Gizites. Sound like a rap group. You know, the Gizites. The Amalekites, for those nations were inhabited of the land of old, as you go up to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. So David is, this is what David is doing. He's still fighting enemies, but he's, these are, these are enemies of Israel and he's going out and he's raiding them. It, it literally means he goes in, they kill everybody and they take all the spoil and they take all the stuff. Uh, we're going to find out in a moment that he kills also the women not just the men, but the women, because he can't have any witnesses left behind to let the Philistines that he's living with know he's going to be lying to the Philistines saying, hey, I'm out there. We we are out there. I took down some Israelites. Today. I went, we went down and took down, you know, this area of Judah. They think David is going out beating their enemies. Um, so imagine living among the enemies of your people and convincing them that every day what you guys are going to do for a living is wiping out your own people. And so they're looking at David like, wow, he has, he has completely come over. I mean, he is, whew, he is, he is one of us now. He's, he's killing them every, I mean, I, they're seeing the stuff come back, but David is killing everybody. So there's no life, no, no one left alive to go snitch, to go tell who he really killed for all this stuff. Some believe that this is because when God told David, he, you can't build me a house. You got your, your hands are bloody and some of the, well, that's not fair because God, he, he fought your battles. These weren't God's battles. This was, this was David doing David's thing. And so David had blood on his hands. That was his own thing as well as things that God had called him to. And there's a difference. And so at this point right here, this is not necessarily what God had called him to do. It's almost like I could see David kind of you know, his conscience being able to live with that. You know, I, well, at least we killed the enemies anyway. So there, I'm still, you know, I did my part. I, I whooped on the right, I whooped on the right folks, you know, but he's living a lie. And so verse uh, nine now, it says, whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel uh, and returned um, and came to Achish. And so again, David killed everybody. He took all the spoiled clothes, gold, animals, everything else, and would come back to Achish. And I, I suppose you can make a pretty good living. You know, David, he got, a, he got a real good group of guys to go. But I want you to imagine, this is a, 
a man after God's own heart and for a living, what he's doing right now is, is killing and pillaging. I mean, I'm reading this and I'm like, wow, man, that's a, this is a man of God. Like this is, a, this is really, this is God's guy, but this is where his life has, has gone at this period of time. How did this all begin? David, how did you get here? How did the sweet psalmist of Israel get to this place? By listening to his own wicked heart. That's how he got here. How did you get 600 men wrapped up in this? By listening to my own wicked heart. Here's the thing. Does David still have gifts? Still have a calling upon his life? Still have skill that God gave him? Now he's just employing it all for himself. Right? The things that God gave him for his service to the Lord, David is like, give me all of that. I'll use it the way I want. And so the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Right? I think that's a blessing and a curse. Right? That means that let's say God's, God's a calling upon your life. God's called you to do this. And he's given you the gifts that coincide with the calling upon your life. God says, I'm, ne- I'm never taking that away. But you can live in such a way that you disqualify yourself. I know men that have a calling to speak, to preach the word of God, but they've lived in such a way that they've disqualified themselves. They still could preach. They still could teach the word. They still have that gift, but they don't have the opportunity because their life has disqualified them. And it's a miserable place because now it's not like God's going to say, well, now I'll give you a new calling. What do you do? I think that has to be the most frustrating, empty thing is to be called to do something and then not be able to do it. And that's why our lives need to be holy and set apart and why we need to fear the Lord, why we need to listen to God and obey the Lord in our lives. And so um, David is here, gifts, strength. I mean, God is, you know, I presume the Lord is preserving his life at least. David could go out and, and get killed, right? But the Lord preserves his life. Um, he's going to bounce back from this eventually, but this is a dark season for his life. And I, these, the Bible tells us in, in, in Corinthians that these things, why does God give us the details, the nitty gritty, dirty details about the flaws of even our, our heroes? It, the Bible says that these things are written for your admonition, for your learning. We're supposed to learn from the, the wins and the losses, the, the successes and the failures of those that we look at in the scriptures. And so I believe the lesson from this is not to listen to my heart and certainly not to lead other people that way. Another lesson is I got to be careful when I want from others what I should be looking for from the Lord. And if I'm living in such a way that I got to lie about it, I want you all to hear this. If you are doing something for, with your life that you have to lie, you got to you got to lie to keep that up. You got to deceive people to keep. That's not God. You don't ever have to sin to have something God wants to give you. So if you if you got someone's like, I got to lie to keep my job. That's not the job God's got for you. I got to deceive these people in order. That's not what God has for you. You don't ever have to lie in order to have something that God desires to give you that God has for you. Something I was encouraged with. Um, the guy that led me to the Lord is a sheriff. And when he went to take the test for the sheriff, I went with him. We both went. We took the same test, went down to Pasadena. We both passed the first part. Then they give you this thing called a criminal questionnaire. And basically they ask you all these questions about, you know, criminal activity in your life. Now, I've never been convicted of anything. And I I asked a deacon at our church who was a, a retired officer. I said, hey, 
I got all these questions to answer and a lot of these things I've done, but I've never been caught. And he said, well, if you haven't been caught, it didn't happen. Don't say it. I got down there and my conviction, the conviction of my heart was like, nah, don't lie. If God has this for you, you can tell the truth. I, and this is what I thought. I honestly thought I said, I'm going to tell them everything. I'm going to give them the details. Yes, I sold weed. Yes, I did this. Yes. I, and I thought maybe they'll look and be like, he could be a good undercover cop. You know what I'm saying? Like that brother knows. The hoods. But I gave him I gave him everything. Right. And uh, the guy called me back in. And this is what he told me. He said, hey, um, it's going to be a no, but don't feel bad. He says, because he said, if you would have lied on this thing right now, you would have gone several more months into the process. Uh, you would have got to the very end. He says, the very last thing we do is a lie detector test. And these same questions were going to come back. Anything that you lied on that came up would have just disqualified you anyway. So you got your heart. You got your hopes up for nothing. And for me, I walked away thinking like, then that wasn't God didn't have, you know, I wasn't supposed to be a cop. I was supposed to be a pastor. I was only, you know, 19 or 20 at the time or whatever. So, you know, but I remember that. I remember thinking like, if I don't have to lie to get something that God has for me, if I'm, I'm, I can tell all the truth and if it's for me, it's for me. And if it's not, it's not. So anybody here that's trying to hold on to something, keep something, get something. If you got a lie, it's not for you. If you go into, you know, finance a vehicle and you got to fudge the numbers that ain't the vehicle God got for you. You got to you, you got to turn your BMW into a Kia. You know, you got to do whatever you got. You got to get the car you can get with telling the truth. You know, say amen. amen. All right, let's go. So David is living a lie, living among the enemies, wiping out people every day. But when he comes back to the Philistine territory, he's leading them to believe that he's killing enemies. So verse 10 then Achish would say, where have you made a raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah or against the southern area of, y'all see it, Jehemites, <laughs> or against the southern area of the Kenites. So David is saying, you know, I'm, I'm fighting against Israelites, essentially. I'm fighting against our own people when, in fact, he was whooping up Philistine allies. These people that he was defeating were allies of the Philistines. And so in that sense, David is living a lie. David is telling them every day when he comes back, he's saying that he's been fighting people that he has not been fighting. And so he's lying. He's living a, an ongoing lie. He's living in deception. Now, I think that's easy. We know that that's wrong. We know as a believer, we're supposed to be people that walk in the truth. Uh, we know that lying is uh, John chapter eight, verse 44 says that Satan is the father of all lies. It's like he's the author of it. While God is truth, Satan, it says when he lies, he's speaking from his own resources. And so as believers, I don't want to I don't want to have the character of Satan. Amen. I want the character of Christ in my life. I want to be a man of truth. You want to be a man or a woman of truth here. That's a, that should be another hint to David that this is not God's will. I got to lie. I'm lying every day to these people about what's going on. I'm lying every day about where I've been, what I've done as I come back with all these spoils. And I, I don't know how he did. That means he's acting like he's killing people that, you know, are really his own people, but he's not. And so this is how David gets by. And, and I wonder if for him, this was just less stressful than running from Saul, you know, that, that he had just tired of that. Doesn't really matter. Um, this is not God's will. And this season is going to be bad for him and the people with him. Ultimately, it says, um, 
verse 11, David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, least they should inform on us, saying, thus David did, and thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So here it tells us specifically that David killed people so that they wouldn't be left alive to tell that he did it. So maybe he killed people that normally he wouldn't have killed or didn't need to kill, but so that they wouldn't be left alive to say, you know, David, the snitch on him. Because David, when he went earlier, you know, he went before the priest. And who, who was it? You might remember the name? Bible quiz. Who snitched on David? Doeg. He was there. And David said, ah, I knew it when I saw him. Ah, he just so now David said, I'll fix that, too. I'm killing everybody. Gonna be no, like, he's like the mafia, right? Ain't going to be no witnesses. I, I saw you see me kill him. Wow, you dead, too. You know, he's just wiping out everybody. There's going to be no chance that anybody can go back and snitch on David. Uh, again, this is a man who previously leaned on the Lord that's now saying, I, I got to do this myself. I got to take my life into my own hands. Again, I caution you against the temptation of taking your life out of God's hands. And taking it back. Will God let you do that? He will. You have free will. So it's a matter of faith. When I say, God, mm, this is hard. I, I, I'm just going to leave my life in here. I'm going to trust you. you got, is that hard, you guys? Oh, it's hard. It's difficult. But it bears better fruit. It bears better fruit than saying, man, that's hard. Give me my life back. I'm going to do it myself. Most people can look at some of the worst seasons of their lives. And that's, they did that to themselves. Uh, I've often said to people who struggle with, you know, look, God says this. And when I get the yeah, buts from somebody who life is a mess, I'll say, look, your best thinking has you where you are. Right. You what you do, what you have right now is your best thinking. You want some more of that? Right. Because because some people don't they don't get it. There might be a, a whole mess and you give them with God's word. Yeah, I know what God's worship, but but what what you got better? You got a whole mess. You need a new you need to try anything new. Um, and so we want to be careful about that, about resisting God while saying, I'm, I'm going to take hold. I'm going to take charge of my life. Takes faith, but it's always better to leave our life in God's hands. And whatever the outcome of leaving my life in God's hands, even if it's difficult, God will be with me in it. Amen. Because it is a fact that you can follow God, obey him wholeheartedly and end up in difficult seasons. Paul's life, Joseph's life. Really, anybody that served God over a period of time, you can find that they listened and obeyed and were led by God into difficulty. Um, there were difficult times. But the cool thing about being a, in a difficult time while being right with the Lord is God is with you in the difficulty. Joseph's life was a trail of challenges and difficulties. But you know what it says in Genesis over and over again? And the Lord was with him and the Lord. And that's all that you need is the Lord to be with you. Amen. What you don't want to be is where King Saul ended up. Um, we'll see in next week's study that God don't even talk to him no more. And Saul's like, I, I, I'm seeking the Lord, but he won't even answer me. And God's like, yeah, we're done. You don't listen. Boom. He's out there. Solo. Can't get a word. You know, so, you know, that's where Saul ended up. A guy who, when God was speaking, he wouldn't listen. When God was speaking very clearly, Saul, kill all the Amalekites, destroy everybody and come back, come back down with this, you know, give all the spoil and everything else. And Saul didn't obey. He came back. He kept some animals. He kept the king, uh, just disobeyed, blamed the people, didn't repent, but made excuses. 
And eventually God said, man, we're done. You being the king is not working out for me. I'm going to take it from you and give it to somebody better than you. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.